I'm Bruce Worson, pastor of His Place Community Church. The following message came from a Sunday morning right here at His Place. What percentage of your prayers does God answer? Five, ten, I don't know. All of them? All of them? Okay, good. That's nice. I mean, if we're being honest, if we're being honest, because it's it's a tricky question, right? It is a tricky question. So actually, how about this one right here? What percentage of God's answers do you accept? Yeah, right? That's the real question right there. And we're real quick to deem a prayer as answered when God's will aligns with ours. But... When the answer doesn't meet our expectation, well, we're a little slow, a little slow. In fact, we often won't even acknowledge an answer that doesn't match our desire. Maybe we'll call it a a dry season. You ever have one of those? Dry season where he's mysteriously absent, where we're waiting for God to respond rather than accepting answers that are unappealing, feel underwhelming, or seem unreachable. Yeah, if we know that. But Psalm 145 and many other verses tell us the Lord is near to all who call on him in truth. That's a promise. He himself promises that. Goes on to say, call to me and I will answer you. Can't be any more clear than that. As a matter of fact, read that with me. Call to me and I will answer you. That's a promise, right? That's faith 101. That's how it works. Do you believe that God is good, powerful, and loving? Yes. Okay, well, do you believe he answers prayer? Yes. So if you've prayed with a right heart, why don't you believe that you got an answer? Didn't like it. Fair enough. (laughs) That's about it. (laughs) He does that a lot, doesn't he? I know, it's true. But you did, you did, you got an answer. We just often miss it or dismiss it because we are experts at sorting the words that we heard according to how much we like them. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunate, but true. However, over the past two weeks, we saw how God can answer prayers in distinctly different ways with distinctly different levels of likability, right? Sometimes he calms the sea. Sometimes he crashes the ship. He he can do it a lot of different ways. But because it's our instinct to assess according to earthly appearances, it's hard to tell when we're in his will or we're in his way. As a matter of fact, if I was in Paul's place, I probably would have, would have argued with that angel that was on the ship saying, ship destroyed? You obviously don't understand God's heart. That's not what he wants for me here. That's not how it's going to happen. Because we tend to fall for this idea that if we're struggling, well, then we must be out, outside of God's will. But that's not right. Struggling has always, always been a part of the deal. I mean, talk about something else that we don't like to think about. How about this classic promise that we get from Jesus in John 16? In this world, you will have trouble. But but take heart, take heart. I have overcome the world. 
Well, it's easy for him to say, right? Is it? Is it? I don't think so. Take heart. Take heart reminds me of Paul on that deck of that ship that's crashing saying, take courage, man. This ain't going to be pleasant. But it is going to happen. Classic Jesus. Take heart. Take heart. And take my answer already. Remember this, guys. Christians aren't called, are not called to smooth sailing. We are called to victory. And victory by nature involves a battle. That's how it goes. So we need to prepare ourselves before we're battling the rough seas. That's a good idea. Just how do we do it, pray tell? Well, we got a couple of pointers for you. For starters, we need to know what it is that we're listening for. Right? Now, quite often, God says no to our prayers. That's his answer. No. And no, well, pretty much just means no. It's that simple. But sometimes he gives us a slow. And slow is a little different. It, it, it feels like a no at first until later. But it means wait, just wait. The circumstances aren't right yet. Just hang on. Other times, it's a grow. Grow, which means wait, you aren't quite right yet. You are the problem. But then there's our favorite, which is go, which means the timing's right, and you're right, and it's in his will. So what are you waiting for? Go. Go. And I suppose there's a, if he grants a miracle, there's also whoa, which is a different one, but it's a little more few and far between for us. But most of us mostly want to plug our ears rather than hear those top three answers. Nobody likes no slow and grow. We like the go. As a matter of fact, we even brag about it. We brag about it. I won't take no for an answer. Like, that's a good thing. Well, then don't blame God when he won't answer. Blame yourself. Because you can't take it. So take the answer. Take the answer already and take heart. You know, we, we, we often come to God already equipped with a nearsighted, earth-first answer. And all we're looking for is a quick go, a stamp of approval from the big guy upstairs, believing that all of our problems would just be solved if we just get this one wish granted, not realizing that we're looking to that wish, our wish to save us, which technically makes it our savior. Talk about idolatry. It's that sneaky. And if we don't get it, we do get frustrated. We get frustrated. Frustrated and angry because God won't give us our Savior. And yet, if we do get our wish Savior, we can end up even more frustrated and angry because of the disillusionment when it fails to be the Savior that we thought it would be. We're let down by it, which is why life is especially rough on those who have it all. Those poor people. Those poor people. Thank heavens I'm not one of them. I'm very far from that. But I mean, what do you do in those shoes? What do you do? Where do you turn when wealth, health, fame, beauty, power have all failed you? Well, you turn to parties, pills, booze, affairs, maybe a big old slap at the Oscars. <laughs> oh, I'm just saying. But listen to this surprisingly insightful secular article 
that was written by celebrity insider Cynthia Heimel. She knows these people, and this is what she has to say. I pity celebrities. I pity celebrities. No, I really do. Sylvester Stallone, Bruce Willis, Barbara Streisand were once perfectly pleasant human beings, but now their wrath is awful. I think when God wants to play a really rotten practical joke on you, he grants you your deepest wish. Sly, Bruce, and Barbara wanted fame. They worked, they pushed, and the morning after each of them became famous, they wanted to take an overdose. Because that giant thing they were striving for, that fame thing that was going to make everything okay, that was going to provide them with personal fulfillment and happiness had happened. And they were still them. It's grim, isn't it? They lost all hope by gaining every earthly answer and knowing there's nowhere left to turn down here. They know it firsthand. But those of us who've who've turned to the Lord and haven't experienced that level of disillusionment in our wishes, we continue asking for nearsighted earth-first answers, which is why prayer is conspicuously popular after our prayer, our, our power runs out. That's when it happens, which is why Psalm 107 sounds so familiar. We read it last week. They were at their wits' end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. Hmm, hmm. Because being at your wit's end means you've exhausted every answer that your brain could produce. It happens after you've done everything in your power, however limited that may be. But I got a question for you. What if we prayed at our wit's beginning? I like this. This came up last week. Bruce said it offhand, and I never heard that phrase. I like this idea of your wits beginning, because there is one. The moment that you first know of a need, or even before that, what would happen if you prayed then? Well, when we seek the Lord's answer before we think one up, two holy things happen. One, we admit our inability, and two, we affirm his superiority. And that, doing that, serves prayer's most powerful purpose. Not as a tool, not as a tool to get God to do what we want, but as a tool to get us to want what God's doing in us, in our lives, with his answers. And that right there is way more likelier to happen at your wit's beginning than at your wit's end. Take it from me, a guy who's an expert at going to his wit's end. I'll tell you what, in my BC days, I was so determined to find my answers absolutely anywhere except God that I got to my wit's end. I drove five more miles and then I broke. That was what I was determined to do. And what's so frustratingly humbling is that the moment that I cracked... The morning my mother died, actually, and I truly gave my attention fully to the Lord, well, he had answers for everything. Some of them I liked, some of them I didn't like so much, but I'll tell you this much, all of them clearly worked together for my good. Hindsight has a way of 
showing you that. I can look back now and see them all absolutely working together for my good. And oh, the painful path that I could have spared myself if only I had turned to him at my wit's beginning. What if? Last Sunday, we saw Jesus calm the seas and collapse the waves and teach his terrified disciples the true pecking order. It's like he's saying, you need these rough seas to know I'm not just somebody who has power. I am power. Anyone and anything that has any power has it on loan from me. And that includes the wind and the waves. They're unruly brats, ain't they? But like the disciples, we question his methods by our measure. They said, don't you care if we drown? But we say, don't you care if I lose my job? When what we really need to do is just choose to trust what we already believe to be true. Follow me on this, okay? If you're upset with him for not calming your storm, it means you already believe he has the power and authority to calm the storm. So how can you not trust that he has a powerful reason for not calming the storm? Because you can't really have it both ways here. Believing that he has the limitless power and authority, but not the wisdom and love to use it correctly. The Lord is power and love and wisdom. So why are his own so afraid of him when he puts it on display in the boat and maybe in your life? I'll tell you, they couldn't imagine how someone so powerful could could love someone so powerless, right? But that's just it. They're so powerless. They're so vulnerable, so helpless. And that right there is what makes them so loving so, or so lovable to one so loving. Like babies. That's how it works. Like babies. They can't do much of anything, and we love them for it. I mean, that's it. They're so powerless. And our loving dad's got the ultimate answers for his needy babies. And that's you and me, if we'll accept them. But then again, we're unruly brats, ain't we? We just need to understand that he is power and is love so we can hear and accept and act on his unwanted answers in our life, like a dad. Anybody familiar with that? Anybody get an unwanted answer from your dad? I got them all the time and they drove me crazy and now I crave them. You know, now I really, sometimes I'm not asking much and I keep getting these answers and boy, if you actually just collect them, they do a lot in your life. Because that's him, he's our dad. He's offering us those solutions. He's granting us our desires as dad. We should change how we hear this scripture. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Careful. Careful right there. Keep picturing dad and keep that genie in the lamp. Because that, that scripture had wish in it. I don't know if you noticed that, but boy, it's so quick. So easy to switch back and see him that way. I like to hear that part of it. I don't like the rest of it, but I'll tell you what, whatever you wish and it'll be done for you, give me that God, <laughs> right? That's what, that's what our flesh does real quick. But it's dad. 
It's dad who wants to give you everything, everything that you ever wanted. And it's a little embarrassing that we all need this reminder, but we do. And here it is. Prayer isn't magic. It's not. Even though it's tempting to think of it that way. No, it's not. Magic is an attempt to control power so that God might become an instrument of my self-centered will. Whereas prayer is a process of surrender, a practice of submission to power, even as I'm making my humble requests, so that I might become an instrument of God's will. That's the difference. It's a big deal. It does a lot. And so you can't take it lightly. Do not take prayer lightly. The prayer process does require some serious effort. It can be some hard work. As a matter of fact, I love, I love this scripture. Paul praises a guy who was always laboring fervently in prayers. Laboring fervently in prayers. Like those fervent and persistent prayers that James calls powerfully effective those are good prayers. Just remember this, though. Okay, don't mishear that. Fervent praying does not involve any form of grunting to get God to do something. That's not what it's about. It's not about making him budge by your might over and over and over again. No. Fervent prayer is different. Fervent prayer is a righteous stubbornness to force ourselves to surrender our trust to God's answers when earthly appearances seem contrary much different thing. And then you got to keep it up with persistent prayer, which includes ongoing adjustments to our actions after each answer to train us to live in a constant state of readiness to respond to God's leading. That's what we need. And that's why it's only by fervent and persistent prayer that we can align ourselves with his will and ever hope to experience the satisfaction and fulfillment and joy. That's it. Two sides of the same coin. We need that fervent, persistent prayer. So if you need an answer and your heart's right and you've prayed about it, surrender to this truth. You have an answer. You do. Now, it might be hard to hear. They can be faint over the noise of your own will, but it's in there with a no, a slow, a grow, or a go. And it doesn't mean that you stop praying for, for a different answer. You can continue praying for a different answer that you're you know, set on, that it's something that you feel you need to deal with. It just means that you acknowledge the, the answer that you've been given and you adjust your attitude accordingly before you move on. And then you pray again. And then you pray again. Because it's a process. That's how it works. Sometimes for us to grow, he waits for us to accept the no before he can give us a go. And that's some rough news sometimes. But take heart. Take heart because prayer works always. It's only when we label prayers as unanswered that we start to lose heart because that so diminishes the reality of the power of prayer. 
So like he said, and we read last Sunday, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. But in the meantime, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So much that he's present right now. He's there with you every moment. And if you ever hear anything come out of your mouth that sounds anything like he hasn't answered yet, well, put one hand over your mouth and slap yourself upside the head with the other. (laughs) Because God is never not working. He is never absent. So don't disrespect dad by telling people he's gotten distant, he's gotten distant, or he's putting you through a dry season. No, just be honest instead and say something like, sometimes my will is so unaligned with God's and I am so bent on not accepting his answers that it's like he's not even there. But the Lord is near to all who call on him. Well, in truth. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray, guys. Father God, we love you, and we thank you for always being near us needy babies with a ready answer. Holy Spirit, help us to quiet our wishes as we listen carefully for your ongoing answers in our lives. And Lord Jesus, we submit to your will and commit to your way as we fight ourselves to right ourselves with honest, expectant, and trusting prayer to you. And to that we all said, Amen. Well, thanks for listening in. Why don't you join us on a Sunday morning? If you'd like more information about the church, just point your browser to hisplacechurch.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you, keep you, and make his face shine upon you.